So the first thing I've realized and working in Fresno Unified and even being a student and growing up through Clovis Unified is that the educators who I work with, my colleagues, they are passionate about education. And the educators, even now that I can remember at Clovis West High School, were passionate about education. It is a love for children and a love for wanting to make a difference and helping students be successful. And I think that that it's common. It's not something that it's a, you know, Fresno versus Central versus Columbus type of thing. It's that there are exceptional teachers in Fresno Unified and there's exceptional teachers in Clovis. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Ace Pod a production of the Association of Clovis Educators. You know, we're, we're about two months into our public launch and two themes uh, started to stand out to me uh, as we have this debate here in Clovis Unified about unionization, particularly in relationship to, to those that oppose unionization. Um, and this first one, and I want to preface this first one by honoring my colleagues in Clovis. You know, we work hard. We love our kids and we are committed to their success, whether you believe in the union or you are opposed to it. But this hard work and this commitment, it's not unique. This is just as true of our colleagues in other districts. You know, prior to working in Clovis, uh, I worked in Kings Canyon Unified, at Reedley High School, and I worked in Fresno Unified at a couple different schools. Um, and the educators I worked with were just as committed. They loved their young people just as much. And I find it often really infuriating to hear the discourse surrounding other districts, particularly Fresno Unified. I worked there for close to a decade. It was by far the hardest work I have ever done. When I worked at McLean, there was a headline in the Fresno Bee that read, worse than Appalachia. Worse than Appalachia, because the neighborhood that fed into the school had the highest rate of concentrated poverty in the entire nation. The entire nation. I remember my 10th grade honors class, a, a brilliant group of young people, a brilliant group but only one of them had a cumulative GPA over 3.0. I remember the day that one of my ninth grade honor students passed out in class. Turns out he had been hit by a car on the way to school, but couldn't go to the hospital because they didn't have health insurance and mom had to go to work. The students in Fresno Unified deal with things many of us out here in the suburbs have difficulty relating to. Of course, many of our students face the same challenges here in Clovis, but not to the same degree. If you are prone to denigrating teachers in Fresno Unified because of their test scores, if you like to say, if Fresno Unified is so great, why do so many Fresno teachers live in Clovis and send their kids to Clovis Unified? I suggest you look into the historical interplay between housing discrimination, segregation, the creation of affluent suburbs, poverty, and violence in America. All this to say, we all work hard. Stop blaming the complex conditions that create school districts 
and so-called academic success on the dedicated folks that choose to serve the most vulnerable. The second theme is this notion of third party. Third party in is that the, the CTA is this shadowy deep state organization that controls local unions. No doubt CTA is powerful, it's important, uh, and is responsible for the many for many of the workplace guarantees that we all enjoy. Due process, duty-free lunch, and, and many, many more, including things that, that are quite beneficial to not only teachers, but to, to students. But they are a statewide organization that offers support to local unions when needed. They do not pull the strings for organizations like the Fresno Teachers Association. In all my years working in Kings Canyon and in Fresno, not once, not a single time did I ever encounter anyone from CTA. And this is what you consistently hear from the folks that actually work in those districts. CTA does not hire and fire teachers. That is an utterly absurd idea. Administration does that. CTA does not require teachers to leave at certain times. CTA does not require districts to teach critical race theory. The idea that CTA will control ACE is just not founded on reality. It is propaganda and it is designed to breed fear and confusion. To talk about both these scenes and so much more, we have Rihanna Beaumont Lamb. Rihanna is a Clovis graduate, a Clovis parent, and a brilliant veteran Fresno Unified teacher. She is a union rep, and I am so thankful she agreed to be a guest on this show. Rihanna, welcome to the Ace Pod. Thanks for having me. Yeah, now of course I'm excited about this because you know up until this point, you know we've we've done uh, about 12 episodes, and all 12 of those episodes have included educators from Clovis Unified, and you are our first uh, educator from outside the district. So can you just spend a few minutes here telling us about your your journey and you know where you teach and what you teach, uh, how you got there, that sort of thing? Absolutely. I actually grew up in Clovis. I graduated from Clovis West High School, went to Fresno State, um, graduated top of my class, and I was recruited to become a literacy tutor from Fresno State while I was in my senior year at Fresno State and placed at Hoover and Roosevelt High School. So as a literacy tutor, I was became aware of the academic and literacy needs within Fresno Unified and what a huge need I saw there. And so um, from that point, when I, I decided to enter the credential program and I applied to um, Fresno Unified and was placed at Roosevelt High School, which is where I was a literacy tutor. And so it felt like it was meant to be. And uh, what do you, what, you know, talk about kind of your years at, at Roosevelt High School. That's the only place you've, you've ever taught. 
It is. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, the last high school I have to compare it to is Clovis West High School. So and it was a whole new world for me. It just, it was um, incredible. I just felt like I was just surrounded by so much diversity and I had never been in a place like that, um, even though I am you know, half Mexican. When I was at Clovis West High School, that um, I did not feel like I was surrounded by people from my culture. And so it was really exciting to be at a place where I felt like I was learning a part of my culture I never knew. And so um, that was just something personally I liked. Um, but I became an English teacher there. And I have been, for most of my years there, the department chair and... I am also a first-year union rep. All right. And finalist for some award? Is that... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah this um, last past year, the finalist for the excellence in education, which I thought was crazy because it was distance learning, and but it was quite an honor. Um, I'd actually been nominated before, I think, my second year teaching, which I think was even more bizarre because I'd only been teaching for two years and was put up for the same um, award. But yeah, so um, I definitely was humbled to be nominated for that and honored. So you 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 went to Clovis West High School, right? So you're a Clovis Unified grad. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, can you talk about that experience a little bit? What was that like? Uh, Clovis West, I, hmm, about Clovis West High School, I enjoyed it. I had great classes. I was always challenged academically. I loved, my favorite class was zoology. And I absolutely loved zoology, even though I'm an English, I was an English person. I've always been an English person person, but I just love that teacher. He just, and I wish I could remember his name, but he just brought such passion and he made me want to study zoology. And so I love that. And I love that even though it had nothing to do with writing or reading, it was just something that it wasn't about the subject is about what he brought to it. And so I still remember just really enjoying that class. And I have still friends with some of my friends that I graduated from um, or graduate with. And I, um, you know, keep in touch with them. And so there are relationships I formed there that I still have, but I um, didn't actually apply for Clovis Unified. So I really wanted to be in a place where I felt like there was more diversity. Um, however, I do feel like, you know, my daughter is in Clovis Unified and I do feel like the there is diversity at um, Bud Rank where she goes to school. And I do um, feel like that's changed. Yeah, definitely has. And, you know, uh, I don't want to date you too much here, but yeah, I think uh, it's a, a misconception that folks mm-hmm. have, you know, they kind of have a, a vision of Clovis in their head. Um, mm-hmm. And then the reality of Clovis Unified School District is probably very different. Currently, um, 60% of our students are, are students of color. Um, and that's probably not the the common perception out there. And then you know, something like 43% of our students actually are from Fresno, which I actually mm-hmm. found out recently and that found that that pretty revelatory. Um, mm-hmm. So so you're at Roosevelt and what, what grade levels do you teach? I've taught every grade level there, but currently I teach juniors and seniors. And why don't you just spend a little time about, you know, uh, what you love? And you've mentioned a little bit of already, but what do you love about being an English teacher at Roosevelt High School. Mm-hmm. I'm one of those people where 
I loved English. And so that's the subject I chose to teach, but I didn't choose to teach because of English. I didn't choose to teach because I wanted to necessarily be a teacher. I chose because I saw a need in specifically teenagers' lives. I felt like they were disconnected, that they needed role models. Um, and even though, you know, I started in, you know, literacy tutoring, I think that was in 2001. So I'll date myself. <laughs> you know, So it was a while ago. Um, and then at Roosevelt in 2003. And so um, it, you know, it was um, definitely, I just saw, you know, I worked in actually at People's Church and I was in leadership and I saw such a need in our kids' lives. And I saw that they needed people to care about them. And then I thought, okay, how can I find a career where I can, I didn't want to work in a church. I wanted to work where I could access more students and help more students' lives. I didn't just want like a small group of kids that would come in. I wanted um, to help more. And so I tried started thinking about careers where I could help specifically teenagers, because I felt like they're, um, that's a difficult age group and that I was able to connect with this group. That was just kind of a gift that I was given and I wanted to use that. And so then it just became natural. Like, what am I good at that I could teach? Cause you don't want to teach something you're not good at. Right. And so you're going to be doing it a long time. I am a firm believer that you should do something you love. And so that's why I chose English to teach. And so, and at Roosevelt, it was, um, and like I said, I didn't, apply for Clovis and for personal reasons, but um, I did apply for Central and Fresno Unified and it was during a budget, no hiring time. And so there were two positions in uh, not counting any in Clovis, two positions that were open in the area. And so it wasn't like I could choose Roosevelt. It was Roosevelt or Central that year that I graduated. And so with all of the people who were getting out of the program. And so I felt very grateful to get the job at Roosevelt. And then when I saw, because I was a literacy tutor, at Roosevelt, I felt like it was meant to be because I'd already been familiar with the campus and I knew the academic and literacy needs at that site. And I'd also felt so comfortable with the student demographic that I felt like that was where I was supposed to be. So it worked out, but it wasn't intentional. I didn't seek out that site. And, you know, just talk about kind of your students there and kind of, um, you know, that, that kind of you know, need or desire you had to kind of make a difference in young people's lives. And, you know, how do you feel like you're doing that at, at Roosevelt High School? Well, I mean, teenagers are teenagers, right? They're going to have their social emotional needs are the same as the social emotional needs that you have at Clovis East. You know, are there students who are struggling with depression? There's students that are struggling with anxiety. There's students that are struggling with homelessness and are in the foster care system. Um, but in addition to that, we are at Roosevelt High School, we have the highest percentage of English learners in the area. And so we have just the percentage of need in at our site is different than any other site in Fresno Unified or in Clovis or Central. We just have that, um, it, just a huge population specifically at Roosevelt High School. And so for me, that gives me a challenge in as far as my profession, because I know that in any given period, I don't teach ELD. So in any given period, I could have someone who has a first grade reading level in my 11th and 12th grade, and then someone at grade level, or maybe even preparing for college. And so I have to learn how to meet those needs, despite whatever level they come in with. And so I need to see, and you know, at the end of the year, if I can get that kid who's reading at first grade level to second grade level, I find that successful, even though I teach juniors and seniors. And so 
there are some academic challenges I do feel that are unique to Roosevelt just because of our percentage of English learners that it might be at any other site, but it'd just be a smaller percent. Like maybe a few, fewer amount of teachers are dealing with this, whereas our whole campus um, is really trying to meet these language needs at a higher percentage. And so it's just kind of exemplified or, or I'm sorry, amplified. But um, I do think that as far as the, and I'm really passionate about student social emotional needs. And I do think that those are across the board that we have teenagers who just struggle. It's a very, that's why I became a teacher. It's a very turbulent time. And there's a lot of emotional things that happen within our teenagers lives and in their own trying to find their identity and that they need people who they can confide in, who they can be there with, um, who they can, you know, and Oftentimes my students, they're not going on to being future English teachers, but they're going on like they they'll go on to whatever they are and they'll remember me and they'll send me emails or they'll send me, you know, contact and reach out. And when I see that they're successful and that they've been able to buy a purchase their first home or they've been able to provide for their family, that is very rewarding as an educator. Indeed. And I mean, I guess uh, I haven't really mentioned this yet, but you and I both worked together for a couple of years, right? And then mm -hmm. uh, around 2006 at, at Roosevelt High School. So, you know, I've worked at Roosevelt and I've worked at, at Clovis East High School. And I don't, I don't know if I'm kind of misremembering this, but I kind of remember that one of those years, we had something like 800 or 900 English learners, identified English learners with a couple hundred of them being newcomers. Um, yeah, we had actually a newcomer academy. Yeah. Um, probably around the same time that we came in because we had just um, what was going on in the world. We just had just a huge influx of immigrants come from Laos and come from that area. And so we opened up a new, um, the Academy of New Americans, I think it was called. Yeah, and so we right. did have a higher percentage um, when you were there too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you know, Clovis East probably has the highest uh, or kind of the, the largest population in the district. <laughs> I mean, I want to say, and I'm, I mean, I'm just throwing numbers out here a little bit, but I want to say that it's probably around a hundred English mm -hmm. learners, right? So, you know, it's really hard, I think, for a lot of folks to kind of comprehend um, what, what it, what it, what the infrastructure it takes to serve the needs of Absolutely. You know, nearly a thousand English learners and the demands that puts on uh, a site. Um, oh yeah. And on teachers and the amount of training you have to do to be able to scaffold and build those skills that you can reach every kid who comes in, regardless of their level. It is amazing that we have teachers who can do this, you know, both at Clovis East, at Roosevelt, you know, throughout the districts that the amount of work that teachers do and put in to meet those needs it's amazing that they do this. And most of it is on their free time. It's doing, they search this out in the, in the weekends. They search out at night. They spend their summers trying to learn how to meet the needs of our English learners. Okay. So, um, you know, and I, I think this gets to, you know, a broader point that, you know, frustrates me about kind of the discourse surrounding Fresno Unified. I think it's often, um, you know, when kind of people talk about education in the Central Valley, Fresno Unified is talked about in this way that, you know, it's this kind of just hellscape with lazy teachers. And I think it's just a really unfair characterization uh, coming from folks that, 
you know, probably have never kind of been in a classroom in in Fresno Unified. So what do you what do you think people should know about you know working in Fresno Unified, the students in Fresno Unified, and then the the educators that kind of serve the needs of of those students? So the first thing I've realized and working in Fresno Unified and even being a student and growing up through Clovis Unified is that the educators who I work with, my colleagues, they are passionate about education. And the educators, even now that I can remember at Clovis West High School, were passionate about education. It is a love for children and a love for wanting to make a difference and helping students be successful. And I think that that it's common. It's not something that it's a, you know, Fresno versus Central versus Columbus type of thing. It's that there are exceptional teachers in Fresno Unified and there's exceptional teachers in Clovis. And I think that, I don't know if it's because of the union or I don't know if it's because of the population we serve, but we do get this kind of bad rep that we're, you know, kind of there's less than teachers or teachers who are underperforming that are just at Fresno Unified. And that's not the case at all. In fact, I feel like we can um, recruit the highest quality teachers because we pay more. And so we can get those. I've personally been a master teacher. I know you have as well for many years. And we've personally trained exceptional teachers. And you know what? When we have an awesome student teacher come through, we get first pick because we're the master teachers. And so we can hire those teachers and give our kids the best because they trained with us. And so we have these relationships with the universities, with Fresno Pacific, with Fresno State, where we build these relationships and we can prepare them for our kids and to work specifically with our students. And so I think that what people don't realize is they kind of think because Clovis might have higher income or because they perform higher academically, that they're getting more of like the top achieving graduates for college, for recruiting. And I mean, they might be, of course, but we can do that as well. And when you have your offering, you know, a competitive salary, you can recruit the top of the class, you know, and it's not, you know, I did do very well when I was in Fresno State. And I know a lot of my colleagues did, you know, whether they're whatever college they came from. And when I interview future English teachers, I want the best for my kids. And so I do try to sell Fresno Unified and I sell it in a way where I know I can get those teachers and I know those points. And so I do think that um, that is something that, you know, Clovis would benefit from if you had a union because you would be able to have a little more leverage in recruiting and I might have a little more competition getting that English teacher. <laughs> can you, um, uh, but, sorry, yeah. can you just talk no, about those? Uh, because I think it's, it's pretty innovative, the, the partnerships you have with Fresno State and Fresno Pacific. Can you just yeah. know, briefly kind of explain that a little bit? Mm-hmm. Um, I think, well, we started at Fresno Pacific. We started with a, the HQST program, which is a highly qualified student teaching program where we partner with FPU and we set up a system where a student teacher would study with us and work with us and for, and we called them partner teachers actually, and for a whole year. And so they would have a full real experience of what a classroom would be like versus splitting them up semester to different sites. They would actually start out the year and end the year. And I think that that HQST program years ago has kind of set the new standard for FPU. I think it's kind of common now that they do a one-year placement at most sites and because that was so effective. And with Fresno State, we also have those relationships, but those are the Fresno State relationships. So we have site relationships because FPU and 
Roosevelt have worked so well. We're kind of close in proximity. So we do get a lot of student teachers just because we're close to their campus. And but we also have a strong relationship with Fresno State and Fresno Unified has and I believe Clovis has a similar program where we have the teacher residency program where we offer those they we offer them a job in exchange for them to be do their student teaching. And so they get a stipend for doing their student teaching now and then they agree to work for Fresno Unified. And so I'm not sure, you know, what the Clovis stipend is versus the Fresno stipend, but I know that that just having a stipend for their student teaching is incentive enough for them to want to seek out these FTRP positions in Fresno Unified. Because it is, I mean, most, when I did student teaching, I'm sure when you did it too, we had to, we couldn't work. And so it came all out of pocket or student loans. And so now if we can offer them a stipend, then that's an added incentive for them to choose Fresno Unified for the program. Nice, nice. Yeah, so... Yeah, so a couple points there. Um, just going back to kind of your point about like every district has great teachers, right? And I, I just don't understand why um, when you when you show pride in your district that mm-hmm. the discourse has to include somehow denigrating another district. <laughs> there, there is nothing <laughs> to gain from that. I don't, I don't get that. Um, you know, I've worked in Kings Canyon Unified. Clovis Unified and Fresno Unified, and there mm-hmm. were amazing, amazing teachers in at every school site. And I always tell the story of how I was at Buchanan High School for a year, and that year, um, the Buchanan's API, so their you know rating from the state, right, was the highest. Mm-hmm. It was the first school in the Central Valley to go over eight hundred in API. Mm-hmm. And then two years later, I was at Roosevelt and where <laughs> we had yet to crack 600. Um, mm-hmm. And I remember that being in the newspaper and just being a big story. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I didn't go from being a great teacher at Buchanan to being like a, a bad teacher at Roosevelt. And I will. No, you, you were know, a phenomenal I, teacher at Roosevelt. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I just think, you know, kind of, um, you know, as you talked about, right, the you know, kind of the complicated circumstances that Roosevelt students are in. I, I just don't think people kind of understand um, what it takes uh, to work at a mm-hmm. school site like that and to dedicate yourself to that sort of work, um, mm-hmm. you know, really requires being, you know, something special. So um, you've done it now for almost 20 years. A long time. Yeah. (laughs) You're the one that dated yourself. So I felt it's too true. Put a number on it. I did. All right. So you work in Clovis or Fresno Unified, sorry, but your daughter goes to Clovis Unified schools. You went to Clovis Unified schools. Did you go K through 12 Clovis Unified? No, started at Kasner. Okay. Mm -hmm. So Um, seven, 12. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. And so now you live in Clovis. And um, Mm -hmm. so, you know, another thing we hear often is, well, yeah, these teachers, they they work in, you know, other places, but they, you know, Mm -hmm. come to to Clovis Unified for the kids because, you know, uh, Clovis Unified is better. So why Mm -hmm. why is it that your your, you know, daughter goes to Clovis Unified school? All right. Well, my daughter has attended Clovis Unified since she was in TK. And so obviously that has to do with where we live um, because we live in Harlan Ranch. So she attends Bud Rank. And why we chose to, I guess, 
you know, move into Harlan Ranch that has a lot to do with where I work at Roosevelt. I, at our campus, it is not um, unheard of that my kids on a very frequent basis hear gunshots at night, have their homes shot at, that my kids, um, when they walk home, they've had their shoes stolen off their feet. They've had their phones taken out of their hands. This is not something that I want for anyone to have to go through. I wouldn't want it for myself. I wouldn't want it for my child. And I don't want it for my kids. And when I say my kids, that's my Roosevelt students. I want them to be able to have the best education possible. And I believe that education is transformative. And that is what is going to give them safety. And that is why I live in Clovis. It's because it is safe. It's because it is a financial investment, and I want my kids to have that as well. I want my kids to be able to feel safe, and I don't want to, I mean, ideally, it'd be amazing if we could transform, you know, the area. We could transform downtown. We could transform all these areas, and I mean, that would be incredible, but I'm working with what I have here, (laughs) and I can work, and I can transform students' lives, and I don't know how to transform whole neighborhoods. And so that's why I'm, you know, I know I can work with these kids and I know that I can help get them accepted in a college. I know like through, you know, working with them, I've had students who become Gates Millennium Scholars and who've had their whole education taken care of. These are kids who, you know, have, I mean, I would say extreme disadvantages that my child will never have. And I don't want that for them. I want them to have a better life. And so, yes, I live in Clovis. It is a safer area. It is a financial investment. And I'm pretty sure if my students had higher paying jobs when they're older and they had the choice to leave a crime-ridden area where they fear for their safety and for their families' lives, they would make that same choice too. And a lot of those students are able to do that through education. And so I do believe that... um, this area, I love where I live. I'm very proud of the teachers my daughter works with. I, you know, that that work with her. She's just, you know, thriving. And even during online learning, my child is all online right now. And so I see how much her teacher is having to do to reach her and all of the extra hours she's putting in and how much she's contacting them, even after school, and just trying to engage them through this harder platform. And so I know that, you know, she deserves that compensation. She's incredible, you know, and I don't see that, you know, there's any difference between what she's doing and what we do at Roosevelt High School. You know, we make that same effort. We make that, we reach out to the same kids, um, you know, maybe not the same exact child, of course, but, um, you know, at my side, I do have some, we have the School of the Arts, so it isn't a hundred percent. Um, you know, that the kids are living there. We do have some students who live in Clovis who actually attend Roosevelt High School and they, because of the magnet program there. And so it isn't a hundred percent. And so I think it's important to see, but overall, I mean, if we're speaking in generalities, yes, like, you know, we are at 90% of the poverty level at Roosevelt High School, um, which means that 90% of our families are struggling over there. And I want them to be able to have that because when a child graduates and when a child has a degree, and grows up in, as an adult with a degree, they transform their whole family. Their income, that income doesn't just stay with them. They go and they help their families and they help pay their family's rent or they help buy the family's homes. It's incredible what our kids do for their families. And so I do think that um, I'm very blessed to be living where I'm living, where I feel safe and I love the school. I love Bud Rank. I love that they 
honor my child's culture that I didn't even, wasn't even familiar with and that, you know, I don't know Dinsantes and they, you know, taught her how to dance and folklorico. And I just love that, you know, cause I wouldn't have been able to expose her to that. And, you know, like you said, mentioned earlier, there is so much diversity at her school. And I mean, I feel like, you know, that, you know, she has, you know, the blue eyes and the lighter skin. She's the exception in the class. This isn't, she doesn't have a class that looks like her. And I love that. And so, and I love that about Clovis Unified, that it is um, breaking that stereotype because I don't think that that is what Clovis is. And if it ever was, I mean, I think that there was, it could be argued when I was there that there was more of a case of that. But right now I do feel like it is very diverse, but I don't think it's fair for us to say that we, um, all people should live where they teach or people that, you know, are, you know, educated in one area should stay in one area of town. I believe that we want people to be successful and we want them to be contributing members to society. And if you want to do that, education is key. Yeah, man, I just really love how you talk about that, right? That this is, you know, what you're attempting to do with your students at Roosevelt is to help them gain access to that safe and healthy environment that we all deserve. Right. And that, mm-hmm. you know, like Absolutely. where you live and where you choose to to send your daughter to school is something that everybody should have uh, mm-hmm. access to. So uh, and also, you know, lovely to hear that your daughter's had such a really good experience in in Clubs Unified. Um, OK, so you mentioned um, that you are a, a union rep. Right. Um, and. So one of the kind of one of the main tactics from opposition to ACE is to assert, right, that that CTA is going is running the show and that runs the show across, you know, the state of California at in local unions. Um, and, you know, kind of they make they make all the decisions. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, what in in your experience, right? You know, what time do the CTA goons show up at your classroom door to kick you out of your your room? Well, I hate to disappoint you, but I have never seen any of the acronyms in my classroom. I haven't seen NEA, CTA, FTA. Um, They've never visited in any official capacity. If an FTA person came in, it was a rep who's a colleague, um, but... I have never met anyone face-to-face from any um, CTA. Wait, wait, wait. Are you telling me there are no CTA goons? I don't. (laughs) I I have never never heard that expression, maybe because I am in in, um, Fresno Unified, but I've never heard of CTA goons. But yeah, I've never had anyone come into my class. I mean, I have, you know, administrators and people who want to observe my classroom, but I've actually never met anyone um, from CTA face to face. So I've watched some, you know, um, Zoom meetings types of things, but I've never actually met anyone. And um, I definitely have not had them tell me what I should teach or or where I should spend my free time or who I should work with. Um, I, they've never done anything. That, they haven't touched my curriculum or anything like that. All right. So uh, are you telling me that you can have kids in your room at lunchtime? Okay, so here's the deal with um, Fresno Unified and being a union is that we have duty free lunches. So that means your lunchtime's protected. Now, that means should I not want, should I want to close my door and, you know, have time to, you know, when I was, you know, um, you know, having time, whatever, right? I could 
do that. I could, you know, if you have a personal thing going on, you can close the door and you can make your personal phone calls and do what you need to do. But with that said, I don't know anyone who I work with who does that. (laughs) Um, Our doors are always open. Now it's a little bit different with COVID because we're not supposed to be eating without the mask thing. So, and we don't have um, as many students. I don't even think I have a student who wants to eat lunch with me right now. (laughs) But normally uh, my room is kind of the hot spot where there's every, you know, seats filled. There's, it's a visiting, it's a social time. It's a time for connection. Like I mentioned earlier, I'm really big on social emotional learning and building those connections and having students really feel connected to the campus, to connected to each other. And I don't know about you, but one way I connect is through eating, you know, and sharing a meal. And so having my kids share meals together is um, pretty important. And, you know, I spend a lot of money out of pocket and the union doesn't stop me from doing that either. I bring food in to help feed them, um, whether it's during my homeroom or at lunch. Uh, I give away, you know, gift cards for raffles and help them, you know, engage in different things that the union has never told me I can't do. I feel like exemplary educators who I know go above and beyond to help students connect. And they're going to do that no matter what school they're at, no matter what district they're in, they're going to open up those doors and allow students to have that safe space. And so I think that that is really important, but I also think it is important that, you know, should a new mother need to breastfeed, she can close the door and not get in trouble for not having kids in her room. You know, should someone need to make a phone, personal phone call or set doctor's appointments that they do have that duty-free protection, do we use it? Most of us do not. But there is some, you know, I do know that there was a group of older teachers when I first started who loved to eat in the lunchroom together and they needed that time to connect. And so they didn't have their doors open because they were working together and kind of sharing stories and doing that. And I think there's value in that as well, that teachers need to connect and need to have a safe space as well. Um, I personally, sometimes teachers come in and it's the teachers and the students together, you know, and we're hanging out and then we have two classes together in there at lunch. So I think that what it's about is having flexibility and being able to do what you need to do. And if you need that you know, you're kind of stressed and you need to spend time with a colleague, you can go and be with a colleague. But, you know, most of the time our students, we're teachers because our students come first. And so our rooms are going to be where our students are. And that's usually before school. It's during lunch and often after school. So it is not, um, I definitely have not ever heard any union rep or any union um, any person like in administration or whatever they call themselves in the union, they've never come down and said, you know, you can't have lunch with your students. Okay, so yeah, I was being a little snarky, but you know, this is a real common you know trope out there that CTA kind of really controls local unions, and it's just utter nonsense. It's just ridiculous. It is not the experience of of anybody who's actually in a union. It is uh, just this kind of you know CTA is kind of this boogeyman um, that has been created to to really scare folks away from from unionization. So. FDA, right, is uh, your uh, your organization, and mm-hmm. I think they've gone through quite a transformation over the years. So, can you just talk about them as uh, a, a union right now? Yeah. So, when I started, I think there's been at least four different um, presidents under in there. So. Um, pretty, pretty much presidents seem to stay, you get elected, you know, and you vote. And so they, they seem to stay for a while. And so the first two as a newer teacher was kind of turned off. I felt like it was a lot of being talked to and, and, and it wasn't as much collaborative. I didn't feel like I was a part of the union, even though I paid my dues. I, 
have always felt like it's important. Um, I feel like democracy is important. I always vote and I feel like this is a part of democracy. And so I felt like it was important to always be an FTA member, um, even though we can opt out. I've always felt like we, we need to have that democracy. But I um, I wasn't really on board with the first couple of union presidents. And then, and I didn't, you know, as a younger teacher, I didn't really realize the role I played as a union member. And that the presidents are who's being voted in. And so when there started to be kind of some talking and it came to light, you know, that a lot of people are having the same feelings. And so we did have um, a change in leadership. The last, uh, the president, the current president, the one before that, um, I feel like they've just been really collaborative. They've worked well with the, not only with union members, so teachers and um, counselors and whoever else is a part of the union. I know it's extensive. It's staff, it's faculty. I mean, it's, there's to, so many people in the union, but it's also that they've been working really well with administration and district administration, site and district, um, in order to, because it's not, at least what I've learned, it's not an us versus them. It's a we. And we have leadership now and in the last president who believes in the we, that it's it's not kind of us versus them. And when you do do that, when it's an us versus them, then that's when those feelings I feel that I first had that I wasn't really having a say in. And I feel like it needs to be more, we're seeking out a compromise and we're working together. I know that Fresno um, Pacific came in and they helped work with conflict resolution with Fresno Unified and with FTA in order to build that relationship and to have that respect so that there was a attitude that it's not it's not it doesn't have to be an us versus them it can be it could be together and so you know all of us are working toward the same goal we want what's best for kids but we also feel like we have a um we should have an equal say in the matter that we shouldn't be talked to and so we do believe in compromise and like I said before, I believe in democracy. I believe in voting. And I think that this is part of being, you know, a democracy, that we should have a say in what is best for our students because we're the ones every single day who are with our students. We know what's best for them. We see their stories. We wipe their tears. We give them hugs. We help provide for them. Sometimes we even do it financially and sometimes we do it, you know, emotionally. And sometimes we are doing it in whatever way we possibly can. And we're always doing it academically. But we need to be able to work together because we're more effective together. And so if there's a union that is forming, my advice for you would be to work with the district and to have make it be a we and make it be us because when it is an us versus them, it's not as effective. And I feel like we have really made huge um, just strides in our district by working together and having that atmosphere of respect within the district administration and with the union. And it is possible, it doesn't have to be. Um, so I think that what comes up, another thing that comes up when we talk about unions is how we did that big strike. You know, we were at People's Church and we filled almost every seat. It was on the news and um, we were willing to strike. And a lot of people saw that in the community, like they were greedy and they wanted more money. And I think what is left out of this conversation is what I was just telling you about. We see those needs. We wipe those tears and we see their social emotional needs. We know that our students need more social workers. 
We know our students need more psychologists, more clinicians, more social emotional support. We know they need more nurses at every single site. And I was ready to strike at that time and it had nothing to do with my pay. I saw students struggling and I wanted to save their lives. And I know that I need more support. I can't do it all. I need a social emotional support staff to help me. And I know that other sites and districts struggle with the same thing. And if we're going to invest, we need to invest in those social emotional support systems now more than ever. After coming out of this, you know, I'm hoping, assuming coming out of this pandemic, that we are going to need to invest in this. And teachers need to voice. We need to be pushing and we need to say this needs to be a number one priority in every single district. We need to make sure that our kids survive this. And how we're going to do that is by having additional social emotional support. Wow. Um, so, I mean, I heard something recently, right, that the last strike in, in Fresno Unified was 44 years ago. And I mean, this is one of the most often things that, that often things that comes up is, well, are you willing to strike? And um, yeah, that framing that you just used, right? The, the strike was this, you know, you know, that idea that it's just about teachers who want more money, right? It's just mm-hmm. so pervasive. And um, the way you talk about it, so um, you know, kind of, you know, makes the strike a lot more, you know, reasonable that this is about saving kids' lives. And you know, for anybody that thinks that's hyperbole, you've never worked at Roosevelt High School or McLean High School. Mm-hmm. It really is, in many cases, mm-hmm. life and death. So, um, okay, so. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, a you know, Manuel Bonilla, the FTA president and Tish Rice before that, correct. Right. Yes. Really, mm-hmm. uh, reframe. Yeah, those what, were the two who yeah, mm-hmm. really framed yeah, what, a, what an organization, what a union could be. Right. And then I think, um, you know, for, to Manuel's benefit, you know, moving away from Michael Hansen to Bob Nelson, I mean, from an outsider's perspective, mm-hmm. right. It just seems like Bob Nelson was the right superintendent at the right time to come along to, you know, create that collaborative partnership. Um, Is that a reasonable assessment to you? Oh, absolutely. I think we felt more like Hanson was a businessman and Nelson is an educator. So he comes from education. He has students or his, I'm sorry, his children are in the district or in school. They're, you know, school age children. I know that he has some who have special needs. He knows the what we live versus Hanson. It was kind of like he was come in to, to manage the district to kind of get the finances, do the budget kind of manage it versus Nelson is seen in the district, at least from my perspective as more of an educator who's for students. And so I do think that that having that different superintendent does bring more of a willingness for the two sides to work together because they understand one another. Right. And, you know, Asa, you know, talks about like, we're here to be, you know, full partners with, with our, you know, the administrators in the district. We're not here to, to create a, uh, an us versus them um, relationship. And, you know, we think, <laughs> or we know, right, that it's possible to work together mm-hmm. uh, to better the lives of our students. And as you, as you talked about, there's a lot of work to do. Um, mm-hmm. particularly coming out, of, coming out of uh, this last <laughs> very strange year. So, <coughs> excuse me. So, Rihanna, um, why should Clovis educators sign the union support petitions? 
Well, most people think of the teacher pay and the working conditions when they think of unions. And that those are valid points, but unions benefit and support students in so many ways. And I think I touched on them earlier, but something that's really important to me as an educator, but also as a parent is that unions can help with reduced class sizes. Unions can decrease the counseling to student ratio so that they can see more students and provide more support. You could get registered nurses at additional sites to meet those needs. You can increase the social emotional support staff. And also you can add an annual supply budget. I know in Fresno Unified, we have a supply budget. So teachers and parents are not having to pay out of pocket for supplies. And I know in Clovis Unified, I do get a voluntary supply list at the beginning of the year. And I know all the teachers do. And I most of the parents donate. But, you know, for those few parents, you know, who can't donate to have that or have, see the child where all the other kids are bringing in the supplies their parents donated and they couldn't afford to do that. It's just heartbreaking. Or for the kid who, you know, is the one who didn't earn the shirt and have money for the jogathon and they all run and there's the child in Clovis who I've seen, you know, at Bud Rank who's not wearing the shirt because they didn't raise enough money. You know, it is kind of shaming. And I do feel like unions can protect those kids. They can protect those parents who might not be able to afford it because like you mentioned that Clovis Unified isn't all this one, like, super wealthy district where everyone has a ton of money. We have people coming from areas of Fresno, different areas of Clovis. The financial need is there in some of our Clovis schools. And I think that we need to be aware of that, that yeah, you know, most families can provide, but should they have to? I mean, we have a district, we're paying property taxes, we should be able to give teachers a supply budget so they don't have to ask parents. We should be able to, you know, help them in a way for, to raise money for a jogathon where it's not noticeable what child had money and what child did not to run those laps. And so I just think that there needs to be someone who speaks up for the children. And I think that the union can do that. All right. Very nice. Thank you, Rihanna. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you very much. Okay, welcome back. So every episode, we want to end by celebrating and honoring the students we serve. So Rihanna, tell us about serving young people. Okay. Um, I know I mentioned earlier about education being transformative to families' lives. And I have, thinking of one family in particular, I taught three of the siblings. And I had um, the older brother, the middle brother, and the a youngest daughter in the family. And all three of them came through my English class. The first one, the oldest one, he was um, very ornery. <laughs> he was kind of the class clown, um, tons of fun, and was just always um, kind of instigating things. And um, But he was so fun to have in class, and we really made a connection. And I never forgot him. And then um, a couple years later, his brother comes through and he already knew who I was and was really excited to have my class and his brother was nothing like him. So you can't judge siblings by being like the other sibling. This is not the case. And he was calmer and he um, definitely was more of a peaceful type of person, but also super sweet. And he had met his future wife in my class. And so they um, have, are married now. This is a while ago. 
and uh, they have. So the oldest brother has worked in construction and has a home that he made, he built himself. And then the middle brother married um, one of his high school girlfriend, who I also taught in the class. And they um, were worked at Fresno State and they came back to Roosevelt, which was incredible and mentored our students through Fresno State. And they have been a part of um, one of our programs, which is Inspire Tomorrow, where students from Fresno State come and mentor our students who are going to enroll in Fresno State. And so they were a part of that. And then I had the younger daughter and she, I had her for a couple years as well, because I teach in a pathway, I often get students multiple years in a row. And so in this case, I had the whole family for um, over a course of a few years, several years. And the younger daughter, she was very sweet, nothing like her two brothers. Um, and they were sweet too, but she was more of, um, she was a definitely a strong communicator, but she was a girl. She had different attributes and different things she brought to the family and she brought to the classroom. And, you know, I just loved all of them, even, um, you know, the one that who married into the family, all four of them are just um, really special to me. And the youngest daughter, you know, she was just really bright and a joy to have in class. And a few years, oh gosh, not, I'm not going to say how many years. <laughs> she went to college and then I hadn't heard from her in a while. And she did send me a Facebook message thanking me and about the importance of my class to her and that she decided to, um, you know, pursue education. And I hadn't thought anything of it. And then i mentioned I've been a master teacher for several years and I was at one of our co-teaching trainings with my student teacher and I ran into her and she was a student teacher in Fresno Unified. And so she became a teacher and she is a teacher in Fresno Unified. And so to see that legacy of the family through Roosevelt and all four of them received a college education and they did not, they were first gen students. And so they, none of their family had been to college and all four of them had, you know, the um, the stamina and the desire and the grit to go to college and to and they all have been successful. They live in different areas. They um, have different careers, but they've all been able to um, make a success of their life. And it's been an honor and a joy to be able to teach those um, those students in that family. And I think that's one of the best things about education is that. Not only do we um, get to transform individual lives, we get to transform whole families and it's generational. What we do with one generation, as I mentioned, they were first generation students and they um, their children will not be. Their children will be, you know, have college graduates as parents. And so it's just amazing that we get as educators get to be a part of that. Yeah, what a, what a privilege to be such a kind of integral part of that family for so many years. And then to see her come back to, to Fresno Unified, that, that's amazing. Yeah, it was quite a surprise, but yeah. very exciting. Very exciting, yeah. but quite a surprise. There's, you know, tears and we hugged. It was pretty awesome. That is amazing. English, not an English teacher though. No, um, multiple subjects. So All the right. littles. Yeah. All right. That's amazing. So again, Rihanna, thank you. Thank you for your service to, uh, to students and, Thank you for joining us on the Ace Pod. Thank you and best of luck to you and all of your teachers. All right. Thank you. Columbus educators and all of you out there that have tuned in, we thank you for joining us in the conversation. To engage further, you can find us at www.clovuseducators.org and at our Instagram handle, 
at Clovis Educator. Remember, there is nothing wrong about having this conversation. You cannot legally be punished for participating, asking questions, listening to this podcast, attending a meeting, and ultimately, if you choose to, signing the union support petition. These are your legally protected rights. We are ACE, we love Clovis Unified, and we will see you next time on the ACE Podcast.